Hey, welcome again to the NPFCC Messages podcast. You're about to listen to one of the messages in a five-part series called One Another, where we do a deep dive into how we really experience biblical community. If you're new to our church, one of our three primary vision statements is experience community, because we believe that you absolutely cannot grow into the person God has created you to become without other followers of Jesus around you. So with that said, though we love that you're listening to this podcast, we hope that you actually process this content in community. So if you're not a part of a life group yet, we cannot encourage you enough to jump into one. So head to npfcc.org slash lifegroups to learn more. We hope you enjoy this message. We uh, just finished up last week a, a sermon series in the book of Daniel. And we figured you had enough of all of that prophecy stuff and all the crazy stuff at the book of Daniel. So, so we decided to go move from all of that to love one another, right? And so we're in this new series that we're calling One Another. And it's the whole idea of how we experience community. But uh, one another is really, really important because we one another all the time. We bump into one another everywhere. I love, Brenda won't send me to the grocery store because I bump into most of you. And, uh, you know, um, and then I don't get, I don't get home for a while because we're always around one another. So I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but I, I was at the store the other day and I was looking for something in particular. I found the location where the thing was and then, uh, but, but the thing wasn't there. It was probably in the overhead stock area, and so I'm looking around, I'm trying to find it, and I want to find somebody, and have you ever tried to find somebody to help you in the store, right? So you know where, yeah, all of you guys have experienced this, right? You're like, where, where is somebody who's going to help me? And, and so as I'm looking around, and I'm trying to locate maybe, you know, if the item's just stocked somewhere else, I'm, I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, down the aisle comes somebody in a vest, right, uh, for the store, and a little name tag on, and I'm like, great, somebody's going to help me. And, and so I, I look at the person, and as they got closer, it was amazing. They just kind of did this, like, you know, kind of like the, the, in, the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, they, they did the Levi priest thing where they walked on the other side of the aisle, right, and they were like, and their head's down, they're trying to make sure not to make eye contact with me, because if they do, then they're going to have to help me. And they're starting to kind of scoot on by, and I said, hey, hey, excuse me, can, can, I, can I get some help here? And, and the, the person just like popped their head up for just a second and said, this is not my department. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then I said, well, hey, I was wondering, because I was just going to see if they could just send me somebody. I'm like, well, hey, I was just wondering, and she just like with a little more vigor, this is not my department. So I just said back, I said, well, what department is your department? And they said, customer service. <laughs> you know, we, um, it seems that we live in a world more and more where everything is just about doing me, right? It's just about me, what I'm doing at the moment. And everybody else out there is, to be quite honest, they're just, well, kind of a nuisance, aren't they? I mean, I don't know if you guys are anything like me. I don't know if you've been on the freeway and, and you ever had this thought where you just thought, you know, all these other people, all these other cars, they're just in my way. Has anybody else ever thought that? Help a brother out, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Because if you've ever thought that before in your life, then, you know, welcome, welcome to normal, right? Welcome to being human. 
And, and I think it's important um, for us to realize that, that that just means that we're, we're normal because um, most, of, most of our lives, okay, most of it is the natural behavior, behavior is to put me first, my needs, my wants, my schedule, my project, my happiness. It, most of life is trying to put me in front of everybody else so that I can do my thing. And, but we're in good company because the people, the first people that follow Jesus, they actually struggled with the same thing. In fact, the night before Jesus um, was arrested, um, beaten, crucified, the night before that happened, Jesus gathered his disciples in a room together um, where he was going to institute the Lord's Supper, which we'll take together in just a little bit. And, and, and this is what Jesus said in Luke twenty two fourteen. He says, when the hour had come, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus pours out like his heart to his disciples. He had told them many times, like, hey, I, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and, and then, you know, on the third day I'm going to be raised up. But he's in this moment, and he's telling them, like, hey, like, you guys just, man, like, tonight this is going to happen. And, and he's going to suffer and die for the sins of all mankind. And the weight of all that is just crushing, and Jesus is just pouring out his heart to the disciples. And... Um, and, and then, do you know how the disciples responded to that? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that they would just be like, oh, Jesus, man, like, we're with you. Like, you know, Jesus, like, and, and, and like man, and, and they're trying to be empathetic or whatever they can do. But you know how they actually respond? They get in a fight. It, it tells us, in, just a couple verses later in Luke uh, 22, 24, it says, a dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was considered the greatest. Jesus is like pouring out his heart, oh man, I'm about to die and suffer tonight. And they're like, yeah, thanks Jesus, but I wonder which one of us is the greatest. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if they were thinking, well, when he's gone, who's gonna take over? I don't know what they were thinking, but whatever they were thinking, it was about themselves. That is the natural inclination of the heart of people. I mean, when you think about it, that is your natural inclination, and that's mine as well. That on any given day, I'm just, to be honest, selfish. Thinking about what my day brings and what I'm going to do and all these other things. And we get to focusing on ourselves. Jesus responds to their little spat. And Jesus says to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors, but you are not to be like that. Okay, so Jesus is scolding these guys. Now, you are not to be like that. In fact, I, I was like, how did Jesus say, you guys are not to be like that? Instead, he says, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules, oh, rules like the one who serves. And John tells us that in this moment, Jesus reminds them that following Jesus, following him, it, it flips the natural order of things on its head. That if you follow him, instead of looking out for number one, that you are going to care for others. 
And so then Jesus, in the Gospel of John, in the same story, remember the four Gospels tell the same story kind of in a little different way. John, right after that part, John says this, then Jesus looks at all the guys, he scolds them for arguing amongst themselves, and then he says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. First thing I want you to notice in this is that, number one, loving one another is a command. Jesus comes and he says, hey, a new command I give you, love one another. Jesus commands us to love one another. Loving one another is not optional for the follower of Jesus. Now, a little quiz time. How many commandments are there in the Old Testament? How many? Yeah, no, I know. Some of you thought 10, right? Uh, nice try, because there's 10 main ones, right, that we talk about a lot. There's like 369 commands or so, depending on who you listen to. There's all these commands on how to live life. Um, you remember, in the garden, there was one rule, right? Don't eat from that tree. And then we couldn't get that right, so God had to make a bunch more rules, right? And so he gives them the commands, and there's 369 commands that you had to keep, right? And, and they were given really just to show us, hey, we, we really couldn't keep the law. But then Jesus then, he brings it back down. He says, look, a new command I'm going to give you. And he says, to love one another. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. When you follow Jesus, you are free. He says, look, you've got this freedom in Christ. He says, but don't use it to sin. In other words, don't, don't use it to meet your own selfish desires. That's not what you're free from. You're free from worry and fear. You're, you're free from having to do everything for and by yourself. You are free because you no longer have to worry about who's number one. Because if you follow Jesus, you know who's number one. Jesus is, right? And so you don't have to keep fighting and trying to make yourself number one. You don't have to worry about fighting and just taking care of yourself because we have a God who wants to take care of us. The entire law, 369 rules, boiled down to one. You know, if you love someone, you won't kill, you won't steal, you won't lie to them, you won't commit adultery, you won't, all those other laws, right? If you, if you truly love, there's no reason to break all those other laws. We all have one another's, right? Think about it. You have lots of one another's in your life. You, you have neighbors, you have friends, Social media friends, some of you have imaginary friends, hope you've grown out of that. Coworkers, teammates, parents, siblings, teachers, your barista, I don't know. I mean, and the billions of other people that we're traveling around the sun with on this planet. We all are together. But, you know, I, we're not always really good at this one anothering thing. I mean, you know how I know that? Because if you go on Amazon or you go to a bookstore, there are book after book after book 
podcast after podcast after podcast, blog after blog after blog about helping you be better at relationships. Why? Because we stink at it. Because we all let the selfishness get in, and when the selfishness gets in, we wreck stuff. That's what we're really good at. We're really good at wrecking relationships. God is really good at putting them back together again. And he wants us to get along with one another. And he wants to make sure that we get this right. And, and so, the, you know, then, then, of course, then there was the pandemic, which set us back in our whole one anothering thing. We are isolated from one another. We're politically divided from one another. We were angry at one another, right? If someone believed something differently about whatever, then you were just, they were the enemy. I mean, I mean, it just pit us against one another. And the devil just stirred the pot in that when all along God is over here telling us, hey, if you're really gonna follow me, you need to love one another. You need to cut one another some slack. You need to care for one another. Just the, and think about what it said in verse 15. It says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. Doesn't that sound like what's going on in our world today? We're just biting and we're just biting and devouring each other, right? I mean, I mean, that describes most of what you see on the news. Everyone's just biting and devouring each other, right? And they're trying to suck you into the vortex of doom as well. Just like, yeah, just join in on our, on our hate fest, right? And just like, let's, let's just be mad at everybody. I mean, this is a picture of what's going on in our world when we let selfishness gain control. As followers of Jesus, we're all called to a radical, countercultural life of one anothering. In, in the New Testament alone, there are 59 different commands with this little word, one another. It's the word elalon in the Greek, okay? One little word, one another. And, and it, it's just about how we respond and react to one another. 16 times in the New Testament, it says love one another. Then it has all these other commands, encourage one another. How many of you could use some encouragement today? Right? Yeah, so that, again, was, meet one another's needs. Uh, serve one another. Forgive one another. Carry one another's burdens. Pray for one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Teach, admonish, and instruct one another. Sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So go for it. Right? We, we just did some of that. And this is a great one. This is a great one. Um, greet one another with a holy kiss. All right? So go ahead. Yeah. Just, no, you, actually, Pastor Devin's going to tackle that one next week. I love it. All right? And, and, along with live in, live in harmony with one another. Show hospitality to one another. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Live in harmony with one another. Value one another above yourselves. This is, this is the DNA of the follower of Jesus. It's to one another well. Now, there are a few do not one another's, like do not judge one another and do not slander one another, right? Don't harm one another. So the Bible is all about teaching us how to one another. 
And it's a command, remember that. It's not optional for the follower of Jesus. It is a command to learn how to one another. So, and we are supposed to love like Jesus. In John chapter 13, verse 34, uh, Jesus says this. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So that tells us like, okay, we need to back up. How did Jesus love us? I mean, think about how Jesus loved us. He left the throne of heaven, came to earth, took on a body. That right there is torturous enough. And then he gave his life on our behalf so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have a relationship with the Father and have eternal life. He sacrificed himself for us. Jesus told us, commanded us to love one another the way he loved us. We don't love the way the world does. The world loves to get something back, right? The world thinks love is an emotion. The world thinks love just feels good, and if it feels good, you should do it. The world loves um, conditionally. If you agree with them, then they'll love you for it. If you don't agree with them, they won't. If you meet their needs, they'll be happy to love you. If you behave, then you're loved. If, if, if. It's all conditional. You know, the Beatles told us all we need is love. But then they all proceeded to get divorced multiple times. So evidently they knew we needed it. They just didn't know where to find it. So followers of Jesus love like Jesus, and that's where we get love. He put our needs above his. He laid down his power and his position and gave his life for us. 1 John 4, 7 to 11 says this, dear friends, let us love one another. For love, now take careful note of this, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, Right? Then it goes on to say, whoever does not love does not know God because, read these three words with me, God is love, right? Yeah, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we, should, we ought to love one another. So a couple things to note in that passage right there, really important. Number one, where does love come from? Love comes, it just said, love comes from God, right? Love does not come from butterflies inside here, okay? Love does not come from, you know, when you hear that song and it makes you all emotional, right? That's, I mean, that's not where love comes from. Love comes from God. If that is true, and we believe the Bible is, right? If love comes from God, then it would stand reason that you cannot love without God. Are you starting to get a picture of why our world is the way it is? Because without a relationship with God, you cannot love. In fact, it says God is love. God is love. God doesn't just act lovingly, right? God is love. It is part of who God is. It is his nature. What God does is love. It's because it's who he is. 
And without God in our lives, we cannot love one another. You know, over the years, uh, I, you know, we had uh, four beautiful daughters. And, um, you know, as a father, uh, raising four daughters, especially as they all started heading into the teen years and, and everything else, and the boys started to show up, um, I, uh, I told all of them. Um, and, and as a youth pastor here, I told all the students that we had, like, listen, you date somebody who has a relationship with God. That, like, my only requirement, really, as a, as a dad was, Find somebody who loves Jesus. Find somebody who knows God. So find somebody who has God in their lives. Why? Because if the person doesn't have God in their lives, they do not have the capacity to love you the way God has meant for you to be loved. And I know in a room full of people like this, there's some of you who are not in your head because you know. Because you just wish that somebody would love you the way that you should be loved. But they can't do it. Why? It's not because they're a bad person. It's because without the love of God in their lives, they don't have the capacity. If God is love, without him, you, you, you can't really love. You could love conditionally, right? You, you can be nice. You can, you, you can like, you can lust after somebody. You can have some affection. You can have all these things, but you can't unconditionally fully, completely love somebody the way God has designed you to be loved without the love of God in your life because he is love. And in your relationships, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your children, wherever it is, if you want that love to grow, do not take advice from Dr. Ruth and Dr. Drew and Dr. whoever, right? Dr. Phil, I mean, you, you, like, take advice from the one who is love. If you want your relationships to grow, right, if, if you're in, in a marriage relationship and you're like, man, we, we just, we need to work on something, we need to grow in our relationship, Right? Turn to God. Like, add, add more, like, figure out, like, what do we need to do to get more of our relationship with God on track? What do we need to do to include God more in the relationship? What do I need to do to, to you know, get more of God in my life? Because then I will have a greater capacity to love my wife and my children. I kind of don't think you need much to love grandkids. They're just like, you know. But that's, that's how this thing works. Like you need more of God, not, not just more like here's the stuff to do. You don't need somebody, you don't need to go online and get some person on a blog's punch list of do this, do this, do this. It's like, no, work on your relationship with God. The more you have, a, the deeper your relationship with God goes, the deeper your ability to love others will be. When I, I meet with couples all the time and we talk about marriage stuff and the thing I want to say is, look, grow in your relationship with God. He will give you the capacity. The further down those roots go, the healthier the relationship is going to be because God is love. If you really want to experience, then you need to experience God. 
Without God, we just don't have the capacity. But with him, all things are possible. And could you imagine a place where everyone put one another's needs first? I mean, what if there was a place where everyone cared for one another more than they cared about themselves? Like people be knocking down the door to get into that place, right? Well, folks, that, that really is supposed to be the church. A, a place where we meet one another's needs more than just our own. You see, Jesus wants us to know his love, but then he wants us to show his love so that everyone will know. And, and so in John 13, 35, again, it says this, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Folks, one anothering is supposed to be the specialty of the church. As followers of Jesus, one anothering is not just an idea. Like I said, it's a necessity. And, and it is the way that the world will know, will identify that we're followers of Jesus. One anothering is what is supposed to make us stand out in the world, right? Uh, one anothering well, loving one another, is what other people out in the world should look at us and go, oh, oh, they must be Jesus people, right? Because they love like that, because nobody else loves like that. It's what made the first Jesus followers stand out in their world. I mean, this is what, at the beginning of the church, drew so many people into Christianity in the early years. There's a guy named Rodney Stark. He's a historian, anthropologist. Um, hist I mean, just it, written a lot of great stuff. Um, uh, and, and he wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity, which I, I would commend to any of you if you like history and all that kind of stuff. And, and he talks about how how uh, in the early years of Christianity, how uh, it just exploded onto the scene because of the way that the Christians behaved, because of the way that they acted and the way they loved one another and the way they loved the people in the world so much. I, I mean, when, when pandemics hit back then, Christians developed the first hospitals. When everyone else ran away, so they wouldn't get sick, the Christians ran towards people and cared for them at the risk of their own lives. Why? Because they knew that they had eternal life. So they just went and they just helped one another. They loved on one another. They cared for prisoners. They cared for orphans and widows. They cared for babies who were left out to die in a harsh and brutal world. And Rodney Stark, in this book, The Rise of Christianity, there's this incredible quote that I read over and over again this week. And just listen carefully to this. I think, it's, I think we have it up on the screen. It says this, because this is, this is the mantra of the early church. Because God loves humanity, Christians cannot please God unless they love one another. Indeed, as God demonstrates his love through sacrifice, humans must also demonstrate their love through sacrifice on behalf of one another. I mean, think about that. We are called to sacrifice on behalf. That's what love looks like. That's what Jesus showed us. How do we love one another? We make sacrifices on behalf of one another. 
And when you did life with these folks, with these early Christians, when you did life alongside of them, it made your relationships better. It made you better at doing life and made you want to care for other people too. One anothering, quite honestly, I heard this from one pastor, one anothering was the early church's secret sauce. It was the thing that set them apart from everything else. Folks, here's the deal. If we get this right, it will not only change our lives, it will change the world. If we get one anothering right, it will change your relationships. It, it will change your marriage, your parenting. It will change your relationships with the people at work, at school, on your teams. It'll change the, the, your relationships with your neighbors. If we do this one anothering thing right, it will absolutely change the world. And it won't just change the world. It will make a difference for all eternity. Because like we said last week, because everybody spends eternity somewhere. And if we love people into the kingdom of God, they will spend eternity with the one who truly is love. See, God created us for community, folks. Not for isolation and loneliness. In fact, creation before sin, the only thing that was bad. God, God created everything, said, oh, it's good. And then he created man, he says, uh-oh, it's not good. Not the guy, but it's not good that the man should be alone. Loneliness was the one thing that wasn't good. Do you realize God could have just stopped there he could have just said, okay, well, you know, the guy's just going to be alone, but we'll deal with it, you know? But he didn't, because God never leaves us alone in our loneliness. He never leaves us alone in our isolation. You know, we, um, uh, there's been, they're starting to do a lot of study about the impacts of what happened during the pandemic. And the first real studies are starting to come out. One of the major ones is coming out and showing us that, you know, I mean, yes, the coronavirus was a horrible, um, you know, virus and everything else. But one of the things that will have lasting impact on us is the isolation, the mental health issues, and all of the loneliness that it bred into our culture. And when there's isolation and loneliness, then we, we, we just don't know how to get along with each other. And that's what we're suffering through as a nation even now. And, and the reality is, is that God doesn't want us to be alone. I actually read one study and it had these words. It says, isolation is to addiction what community is to recovery. I mean, listen to that. Isolation is to addiction, right? It just drives it. It just feeds it. But it says isolation is addiction, what community is to recovery. If we want to recover, we have to be in community. If we want to learn how to live, we have to be in community. If we want to learn how to love, we have to live in community. And folks, we were created for it. And that's why here at MPFCC, you will hear us harp on this over and over and over and over again, that you need to be in community. This is why we will tell you over and over and over again that you need to be in a life group. And you will tell us, I know you will, because we hear it all the time, you will tell us you're too busy. And I would contend 
that you are too busy not to be in a life group. Because with all the busyness and craziness of our world, you need a place where you can experience growth and love, where you can encourage one another, bear with one another, carry one another's burdens, love one another, honor one another, pray for one another, confess to one another, all these things. You need a place like that. So today, I I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, um, quit making excuses and get in one. As you walk out today, and I know it's hot, but hey, like I've been telling Pastor Juan all week, it's not 108, right? And it is not 95% humidity, right? Come on, folks, you still live in paradise. So right out there on the patio at the end of the rainbow, go and sign up for a life group. If, you ha- if you're not in a life group already, let, let, uh, here's, what, here's what I want to encourage you, invite you to do. If you're not already in a life group, start by signing up for Rooted, right? Rooted is an amazing opportunity where you can uh, experience discipleship with a small group of people for about 10 weeks. And I guarantee you, once you've tasted that, you won't go back. <laughs> but um, it's going to start on September 13th. Um, and if you, um, if, you have a, if you have never done Rooted, and again, I, people tell me all the time, oh, you know, I've been around church for a long time. I don't think I need Rooted. Uh, if you've been around church for a long time and that's your attitude, like I don't need Rooted, then you really, really need Rooted, right? So just trust me on that one. You won't regret it. But jump into that, and then that will help you in terms of getting into a life group. See, one way we can love others is by caring enough to share the love of Jesus with them, inviting them. Last week, we had you write down three names of people who need to know Jesus and that you would be praying for them, that you would pray that God would give you opportunities to share with them and invite them to come. And I hope that you're still doing that. If you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you, like always have three names of people that you're just praying for, that you're asking God to give you opportunities to share faith with. And, and you know what? Invite, invite them to Roundup. It's coming up in September on the 17th. It's a great fun day. You can invite, I mean, who doesn't want to come to a barbecue, right? So invite. Because folks, we want to be a one-anothering church where we really one another well where we know God's love and we show God's love by loving one another. And the reality is, is as a church, I love this, uh, Pastor Craig Russell said this, we will do anything short of sin to help somebody find Jesus, right? That's what loving others is all about. Whatever it takes to help somebody find Jesus. So over the next four weeks, we're gonna unpack what does it look like? How can we one another well? I hope you'll come back. Um, I know Pastor Devin's gonna tackle some fun stuff next week. It's gonna be great. Um, You know, Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed himself for us. And you may be sitting there this morning and said, what does this mean for me? Let's start with this. Jesus loved you so much that he sacrificed himself. If we are going to love the way Jesus loved, then here's what I want you to think about over the next few minutes and while we're singing this next song is this. How could you 
sacrifice anything? How could you sacrifice so that somebody else could hear and experience the love of Jesus? How could you make any kind of sacrifice? It it might be sacrificing like your nervousness or your fear to go and talk to somebody. It it might be a financial sacrifice so somebody needs help. It might be sacrificing some of your time to go care for somebody. It might be sacrificing, I mean, who knows what it is, but I want you to think deeply and ask God's Spirit to tell you, what can I sacrifice so that somebody else can know the love of Jesus and have eternal life? Because Jesus sacrificed sacrificed for you so that you could have eternal life what are you willing to sacrifice so that somebody else can that's what it looks like to love one another and that's why every week we gather around the Lord's table and we we have this communion that reminds us of what Jesus sacrificed for us so I'm going to ask you to take the this little communion and this little piece of bread that represents Jesus's sacrificed body that he gave on our behalf. So let's take the bread together and the cup that represents Jesus's shed blood with which he washed away our sins. Let's take the cup together. And if you're here this morning and you've never really experienced the love of Jesus before, if you've never said yes to a relationship with him, then I want to encourage you, just come and find me or one of our leaders. I'm going to invite any of our our church uh, leaders up uh, and their spouses, if they're with them, to to come and to sit up front. And if you need to to pray with somebody, please come. And, And honestly, this week, think about how can you sacrifice anything so that somebody else can discover the love of Jesus. Because that's what it looks like to love one another. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the indescribable gift of Jesus. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made so that we could have a relationship with you, so that we could experience your love and that we could have eternal life. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love one another. Amen. Thanks for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If you'd like to support the work of our church, head to npfcc.org give to make a one-time or reoccurring gift. For more information about us, you can always check out our website at npfcc.org. Again, that's npfcc.org.